everybody. Welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. This is Cole Fakes, and I'm here with a guest that I have been trying to get on our podcast, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. I've got Laura Lee Turner here today, a friend of mine, somebody I really look up to and respect, and I think you will too after you hear some of her story today. So Laura Lee, thanks for coming on the podcast. Cole, I am so excited to be here. So I just wanted to tell a little bit of your story. I feel like there's all yeah. kinds of things that God's doing in your life now, and then they have threads that reach back, you know, years into the mm-hmm. past, and some of them just months into the past. And He's weaving this story that we can kind of get to the the current day by telling little pieces of what He's done in your life in the past. So let's talk originally about how you became a Christian. So give us kind yeah. of the backdrop of how you came to know Christ. Yeah. I love this question. Um, I feel so blessed to have grown up in a family that it just, it was never a question for me. Um, I just can't remember a time when I didn't know and love the Lord. Um, I do remember being eight years old and giving my life to him and being baptized on Easter Sunday and, um, the rest is history. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but Seriously, I I just I grew up in a family that um, it's deeply rooted generationally in our family. It's part of um, our tradition, but it's also just part of the heart of um, my grandmother and my grandfather, and passing that to their children, and then my mom um, and dad passing that on to me. Uh, I grew up in. The Baptist Church, and then, you know, I don't remember a time where I wasn't like wa- interested in knowing more about who God was and reading the Word. Um, I do remember in like middle school going to a musical theater summer camp, and I remember this because it's so funny to me that God creates us a certain way, and you can thread that back to when you were very little. Like I just, it's only. A demonstration of just how creative and specific he is with this. But at that musical theater camp, I remember gathering girls together in our dorm room of that camp in North Carolina and opening my Bible and being like, who else is a Christian? Let's read a devotional. <laughs> and it wasn't like, no one told me to do that. Like God mm-hmm. just said, you know, put that kind of faith in, um, I think a gift for evangelism. I love just sharing Jesus with the people around me. And um, yeah, so already he was threading that musical theater and Jesus thing together. Um, and yeah, in high school, I think I took a, a big turn when I went to Canacuck, the Christian summer camp. I went there in 10th grade and um, went there 10th, 11th and 12th grade. And I just learned to love spiritual discipline, um, just watching my counselors get up early in the morning and open their Bible and read it and to see um, just parents pouring into their children, pouring into their children's children, just the beauty of what is like Canica, heaven on earth, reading your Bible around other believers and just wanting more, um, wanting more and more of that. And, um, I think my faith really did become my own there because when you grow up in a Christian community, a Christian household, it's, it just becomes normal. And that can be kind of scary when you aren't owning just your relationship with Jesus yourself. Um, and so it, it was, it was a confirmation for me of, yeah, I, I do love Jesus. And this is my relationship with Jesus. And I think when I moved away to college, um, 
that became even more so um, important to my walk with Jesus because I was outside of, I went to school in Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City University and I was outside of Arkansas and of, um, you know, people didn't know my name. People didn't know my family's name. They didn't know our church. It was, oh, is this really important to you? Are you, are you going to invest in a church here? Are you going to find community here? And um, I studied music, musical theater in college. And the first couple of years were very, very challenging Um, for me. I was, um, very anxious and kind of in my own world, I pushed a lot of people away in pride, uh, thinking that I was, you know, some kind of better Christian or person than they were because I wasn't maybe quote unquote making the decisions that they were making. Um, and just kind of pushed people away. I lived by myself. I was very isolated. Um, I had a long distance boyfriend that I kind of put a lot of faith in, hope in, and, tried to get by like that. And I was just getting, I was just spiraling downhill. And I got to a point where I thought, this is just not it. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think once I got to that point, um, I was going to church on Sundays, but I was going by myself. And so, I don't know, I think I learned in that, that you can be walking, um, but if you're doing it alone and not in community, um, it's just, that's not how God created us to do life and to grow with him. So, um, I worked at Canacook, that Christian summer camp, uh, this summer after my sophomore year. And when I came back, I was just like, okay, if this is what's important, if Jesus said, go and make disciples, and this is my purpose, I'm not doing it. Um, and I can't just do it at Canacook and not live my life this way. Uh, so I went back to school and I remember praying, I was like, Lord, and I didn't really have any friends. Like I can't, can't remember like one person who I would say like, oh yeah, that's my good friend. Um, they were all just kind of acquaintances I went to school with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, I please just ask you to give me one friend that I can do life with and like actually live in the way of Jesus here. And, um, it was a friend that had been in my voice studio, had been in my class at school. And it's like, we had never been friends before. And then all of a sudden we both were like, we both like Jesus. Let's go to church together. Um, and Cole, you're very familiar with, uh, my friend, Jessica. And yeah, it's um, funny to me to even think would... about you guys not being friends. Uh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. And yeah, you know, I, I love that you mentioned that trajectory in college, because one of the things I love the most about college ministry and the experience of meeting college students is I think yeah. everybody does come to those moments whether, you know, from whatever angle. So like for you thinking, okay, this is the calling that I have and I'm not doing it. Or some people is realizing I don't believe in anything at all. And I got to figure out what, you know, my life is supposed to be, or, you know, the rejection of your parents' faith and then trying to figure out your own. There's, there's, there's some moment of inflection in a lot, in a lot of people's Mm. lives in college where they decide I got to be about something and I've got to do something or I'm being called towards something and, you know, by the time I had met you in college, you were already on that path. Uh, mm. But it's interesting to me that it took a little bit in college to break away from the environment that you knew, to be outside yeah. of your parents' home, to be isolated in some ways, to be in an environment that, you know, like you said, you were doing Christianity basically alone. You weren't getting any synergy from the people around you. And then 
that prayer. I just love that the way you frame that story, that prayer that you ask God to just bring you that one person to go be about mm. his calling in the world. What, what were the things that you started to see where you're like, maybe God's starting to answer my prayers or what were the opportunities to start to open up for you um, to do what God was calling you to do in college? Yeah, well, okay. So pretty quickly, Jessica and I, you know, started being friends and she invited me to crossings. Um, I had been going to a church by myself and she was like, there's this great college ministry. The pastor's great. There's lots of young adults. Like they're all getting together. It's great worship, like come. So I went one night and was just blown away by, um, just experience of being with other believers and, um, Jessica, if you know her, she just has such a joy and excitement and running alongside her in that, I think was really special as well, just because, um, I'm a nice Enneagram one who is a planner and a, we're very, very different. And she just brings a lot of fun to my life. And, yeah. um, so doing that with her, I think was like, so sweet of the Lord to be like, I'm going to give you this bright and bubbly friend. Um, and she's, ex she's an excited, yeah, she's an excited person to do alongside. Love Jessica. Oh, yeah. But in doing that, um, I don't know, I had inside of me like a desire to share Jesus with other people. And it's like when I was going to church and doing that in community, um, it also gave me the opportunity to want to bring other people. It's like I had a place to bring them. I had um, something to I don't know, excite other people about Jesus as well, because it's like, you can only, you can only do so much. You got, you have to get into the body of Christ and into teaching and into the word of God. And, um, so yeah, you know, like pretty quickly, we started just like bringing packs of people. I, I, like we said earlier, I mean, I'm not scared to just share with someone like, do you know Jesus? Like come to this thing with me. Like I just, it doesn't phase me that people might be offended by that or that they might not be interested. I just don't take it personally. It, mm -hmm. I'm not scared to just invite. Um, I remember at one point in time, uh, we were like, hey, Cole, can you get us a 15 passenger van? Because we think we might <laughs> need it. <laughs> we never got a 15 passenger van, but um I do love yeah, that boldness though. And it's, it's hard yeah. when it's your peers a lot of times, cause you're worried about what people think and, you know, but when you mm -hmm. feel like you're on a mission, like when you feel like you've been given a purpose and the thing that always struck me about the different campuses is they all have kind of a different uh, feel and OCU, oh, yeah. especially, you know, when you would find little pockets of people that were really looking for a church or looking for a place to grow or something like that. Yeah it almost, it, it really took on that come and see feel of ministry and of the gospel where it's like, oh my gosh, you guys have to come to this because it's like finding water in the desert in some ways. And you want everybody yeah. to get to experience that with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, and pretty quickly after that, on our campus, I think sometimes I thought, I don't know. I think this is the, what the enemy does to us is he makes you think that you're the only person that's a believer. And mm -hmm. what I have become passionate about is um, almost giving people space to say, yes, I love him too. Or mm -hmm. yes, I grew up in the church and that's been a part of my life. Thank you for giving me permission to, not that I need to give anybody permission, but sometimes people just need, like, they want to feel like they can say, yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and so on our campus, uh, pretty quickly, 
um, I started a women's Bible study at our school and it met on Friday mornings. And basically it was just like, I made an Instagram page for it. And Jessica and I started gathering women in this little clubhouse of our apartment complex and said, we're going to go through like this right now media study, or we're going to go through this book of the Bible. Um, and women started showing up. I'm glad we're talking about this because it's really fun to reflect on and remember what God did, but they started showing up in packs, like 30 plus people on Friday mornings, like college students on Friday mornings at 7.30 a.m. My apartment that I was living in, like women were like sitting on top of each other by my bed. It was, it was just so cool. And I think what was affirming for both of us was just seeing, wow, like all these people want to know more or have some kind of interest in people want Jesus. Like people want Jesus as much as we do. Um, so I don't know that like has snowballed since then in my life, because it's just showed me that the more we step out and say, you know, I love Jesus. Is anybody else interested? It's, it's less of, um, you're sharing something with someone for the first time. Sometimes you are, but to me, I like to think that people are not two miles away from saying yes to that. They're really like two centimeters and wow. sometimes two millimeters, you know, like they're really close to that because God has put eternity inside of us and a desire for him in every human being, every image bearer. Um, so I don't know, seeing it less of like me versus them and like, it's all of us. It's just people are, are wanting permission to just say yes to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just love that image of creating a space for someone to stand up and say, me too. Like, I want to be a part of this. And, yeah, you know, just reflecting too, that's obviously something that God has done in your life. I think there's ways that he's gifted you to do that, but it's not just gifting and it's not just, you know, talent or, yeah. you know, you yeah. had, it's not like you were a world renowned teacher at that point. And, and that's why people came, they no, came no, 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 because no. you were obedient and because you gave them an opportunity. And oh, those yeah. are the things that God uses. Um, no matter where you are, For it's sure. just saying, saying yes and uh, being open to what he's doing. And it's funny too, because I think that, you know, in different stages, that same thing has just expanded and you just see more and more fruit coming in because of that kind of thing. But I want to, I want to ask you one thing before we keep moving in the story, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I struggle. And I think a lot of people do being in situations where you feel like, um, uh, either it's not, it's, it's not the norm to talk about your faith, or maybe it's out of place to talk about your faith. And I know that, you know, a huge part of your life is the performing arts and uh, being in a performing arts program in college. What were some of the things that you did, or what were some of the ways that you saw openings to share what was going on in your life or to invite or to create those spaces uh, in ways that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this is, this is definitely the place where a women's Bible study is going to take off or something like that. Right. You know, that's a good question, Cole. I think in college, it's such a unique environment because you're living on top of people, almost literally you're in the, you know, you're in the dorm or the apartment complex with them. You're doing your laundry in this like communal area together. You're, um, go, you know, all getting coffee at the same place. You're all eating lunch at the same place. You're in musical theater. You're at rehearsals late at night. Um, that's what I love about theater that 
you do spend a lot of after hours backstage, a lot of tech assignments, things that are just a lot of time, a lot of time uh, with people instead of being like buried in a textbook pre-med program. It's a different kind of thing. You're like, there's just a lot of time for open conversation with people. Um, Yeah. I love that about theater. You know, it was a direct reflection of what, what the Lord was teaching me in my personal time with him, my time spent in the word, my um, just how he was like pulling me in through, you know, the church, through Bible study, through all these different means. It, it was a direct reflection of my walk with him that the more I got of him, the more I wanted to share it with other people. And so then it was just like all I wanted, all I wanted to talk about. Um, and it just became almost like natural. Um, and as you know, as you continue to walk in that, there does come pushback. Uh, and I experienced that in college too, of just, oh, wow, that's real. Like people don't always like it when you talk about Jesus or bring this thing up. Um, but man, he just provides and honors your obedience in, um, in really spectacular ways. And I think, you know, I did learn through that time that you don't always see the fruit of, what you're doing or how you're saying yes to what he's calling you to say or um the conversation he prompts you to have that it's just so clear the holy spirit's like hey mention this or hey invite this person and maybe they say no or maybe they actually don't like that you brought that up at all um but it all matters it it really all matters um and he's just continued to to show me that uh, yeah, throughout college. And now he just continues to. So you are coming to the end of college. You have this booming yeah. women's Bible study. You uh, are thinking about the future. What does God yes. do after that? Okay. So I want to preface that in college, yes, booming women's Bible study, but in college, like success to find in theater school is like what roles did you get blah 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 how how well did you do in the theater program and I will be completely honest that I I was like behind the scenes grinding and the Lord is teaching me all these things but I didn't see fruit from my labor in that in college I, I wasn't cast in lead roles I wasn't like the star of our school you know whatever um but I think that was so purposeful in that season. And I look back and I see that and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's such a wilderness, blah, blah, But it's, I almost even forget that the lack that I felt because of that, because the Lord had such specific um, things he wanted to teach me in that season. And he cared more about me learning those things than about me having that success for that period of time. So very thankful um, in the ways that he prepared me in that uh, so since then, yes, I moved to New York the summer after I graduated um, from college. I ended up being cast in the showcase. So in the musical theater world, you um, go and you showcase with a small group from your program for talent agents in the city. And then the hope is that you get a talent agent. It could be really challenging to get an audition, to get your foot in the door when there's 55,000 unemployed actors and actresses in New York City. 
if you don't have an agent. So um, I was very thankful the Lord provided, um, gave me provision and an agent. And it just felt like from the moment I, I moved to New York, like things were just like moving. And um, yeah, it was confirmation that God really did, had called, put those desires in my heart and was um, beginning to like show me uh, what he wanted in that. But the first eight months or so, it was pretty, um, it was kind of obscure. Like I was just doing what actors do. I was um, going to auditions every week. I was babysitting and nannying. That was how I made money. And it was kind of like, that was the thing from Monday through Friday. That's what I did. I went and babysat babies and I went to auditions and um, rinse and repeat. Like that's what I did. Um, but I will say very quickly moving to New York, I, after my experience in college, I was like, okay, I'm not doing this without community. And I think I did, I found community before I did anything else when I mm -hmm. moved to New York City and got very involved with Church of the City, New York, um, got plugged in there and was just surrounded by young adults who loved the Lord. Um, there is a fire in New York City and the church is there um, because you have to fight to show up. You have to fight. It's harder because it's so busy and it's so, just so many things fighting for your time and your commitments. Um, but the people that are showing up are like radically in love with Jesus, which is really cool to be around. Um, it's a very different experience than down here. I was going in for an audition um, to be seen for Karen Smith, the replacement of Karen Smith in the Broadway production of Mean Girls. Um, so that was pretty crazy because it's not every day that you get those kind of appointments. Like I had been in for a few national tours and uh, like one Broadway show, but it was, yeah, just nothing like that kind of, just that doesn't happen every day. So I was pretty ecstatic, uh, especially a show like Mean Girls, like so fun. Um, such a big show that, you know, everybody loves and music is fun. And that was on a Friday. So I went in on a Monday of that next week for the audition, um, sang and read for Karen, for the casting director. And then by that Wednesday, I was in the final callback with Tina Fey and Casey Nicola, who's the Tony Award winning director, the music director, Mary Mitchell Campbell, the writers, like all of these very, yes, um, influential people that are running Mean Girls. And that was within five days of getting the email that I was going in for that audition. Um, and the audition just... Like, I, I can't even explain it besides when people would ask me about my experience with Mean Girls, it was like, I felt like I was in a sailboat and it's like, you know, a sailboat's like going along and then you catch the wind and it's like, and you're just like flying in the wind. Um, from that moment, so that Friday, I got the call that they were offering me the contract. They had sent my videos to the producers in London and like everything was like going to be signed, sealed, delivered by that by that afternoon. And that had all happened within a week. And that's Gosh. just not, that's not how it happens on Broadway. Like usually, I mean, sometimes it does, but usually it's like lots of callbacks. It can be a very long treacherous thing in auditions, but I just, they needed to cast it. And um, yeah, I just 
was there right place right time <laughs> god knew yeah i mean it's, um, it's like a dream come true to get that to have it yeah. happen that way what was it like when yeah. you got that phone call you signed the contract you're like i'm i'm on broadway it was pretty unreal um i was on the subway naturally when my agent called me on that friday afternoon i felt like I couldn't eat. Um, felt like I was going to puke for like 48 <laughs> hours because I was just like, oh my gosh, how can you get so close to something like this? And then um, it not happened. Um, but yeah, I, it did happen. And I was on the subway and my agent called me and she was like, are you sitting down? Is the subway about to take <laughs> off? Can you get off the subway? I can tell you're on it. And I was just like, yeah, 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 I can. And I just walk out to the street and she was like, you're going to make your Broadway principal debut. Um, so I was going to be like signing a contract. I did sign a contract for a principal role on Broadway, which is just wild to me still. Um, and within those next two weeks, I had learned the whole show. I um, no, it was like a week or week and a half or so that were in between when I started rehearsals. But once I started rehearsals, I learned it in like two weeks um, had the costume fittings, the wig fitting, you know, everything that comes with that and, uh, made my debut on Tuesday of COVID week is what I like to call it because it was the week <laughs> the world shut down, um, yeah. March 10th, 2020. And then did one show that night, two shows on that Wednesday. Um, and then that Thursday they announced that it was close till April 12th which we all know is, it became much longer yeah. than that. Two weeks, two weeks to flatten the curve. And then, and then we're all back. Everything <laughs> goes back to normal. Two weeks for the global pandemic to end. Yeah. Uh, so you so performed yeah, three um, times? Three times. Thank God I got to perform because I can't imagine having like gotten that contract, gotten the costumes, everything, and then it just being shut down. So I'm just thankful that, I did get those those three performances, even though it was cut way too short. Um, mm -hmm. Thankful. So that by that Sunday, I was already in Arkansas. What a two week stretch! I mean, what the time to go from <laughs> getting the first phone call to landing the role to performing to back home. I mean, realizing something like that that is just a dream come true and then yeah. having to grapple with the fact that something totally, completely out of your control just changed everything. What was it like on the drive home or the flight home? Or I'm sure it seems surreal for a little bit, but how did you start to reflect on that? You know, one thing I am thankful for in this pandemic has been, it's been like rung by rung. Like no one told us, you know, we're going to be doing this until next April or I don't yeah. know. That's that we've all had to take it kind of like one month at a time. And as painful as it's been to like see things die month by month, um, I think it has made it easier to be like, okay, it might be shut down till July. Oh, it seems like fall. Like <laughs> we just kind of like <laughs> keep hoping, you know, it's as sad as that is. Um, yeah, I think when I went home, it was hard to process and still is hard to process. Um, but I, I think I was on a high for quite a bit of time of just like that actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I love my family. Like it's so sweet to be home. 
Um, and I think that I know that Mean Girls and just the platform and the voice that it gave me, um, so many young girls listening to uh, what I had to say online because of two days as Karen Smith is a gift from God because I've been able to um, meet a lot of them and been able to share Jesus with a lot of them. And we get to connect on the fact that they love musical theater and they also love Jesus and um, have had a lot of cool conversations with people who love musical theater. I mean, it's what's not to love about it. There are a lot of people who love Broadway and um, it's just a, such a fun, like connecting point with people. And so to be able to have that connecting point and then share with them, um, my heart has, I'm, I'm thankful, thankful mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. I know there were a lot of doors that opened and relationships mm-hmm. and all of a sudden having a platform. And like you said, not just having the platform, but also having opposition by having a platform and, mm-hmm. uh, the pressure that comes with that, but even before you start to realize, oh, in hindsight, he, he, you know, God allowed me to speak to this group of people or whatever. Mm-hmm. What, what were those conversations like and those prayers like, and those thoughts that you were having as you were starting to think, what, what is God doing right now? Mm, like right after, like when I got home, mm-hmm. gosh, let me put myself back in that situation. So I was back in my childhood room and I have never prayed like that before. If I'm being like completely honest, I have never like cried out in a way that it was just like, I don't know, just I felt like very raw and vulnerable and angry and um, desperate and just a lot of things of not knowing when and what and how, or I don't know, just like all of this obscurity, um, without a time limit, I think the time limit thing has been the hardest thing. It's like obscurity for six weeks sounds good, but then like, you just don't not knowing like how long are we going to do this for makes it really hard to stay energized and like running with endurance. Um, so I think what I did learn is that you know, I'm back in the, it's been a lot of grief. I mean, for all of us in lots of things, it's been a death of things of a parting of like relationships and just, I don't know, a lot of different things. But one thing I have continued, the Lord's continue to teach me is that I can't rush past that grief. Otherwise um, it does. I don't know. It doesn't go away. It just gets pushed down. So I think mm-hmm. learning, like, how can I really take this to the Lord and um, be okay with being weak and be okay with how I feel and just laying it before him? Um, yeah, I think I, I have actually asked you before what to do about something. And you're like, I hate for it to be a cliche answer, but Jesus can take it. Mm-hmm. And that's just yeah, and it always it. seems like in those moments of what you're going through is unique enough or deep enough or painful enough that it's like, oh, I don't know if I can bring this to Jesus. But, you know, it's those situations where he proves himself to us over and over and yeah. over again. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's only in hindsight that you see that, you know, I just think about, you know, the excitement of when you found out that you were going to get the right. role and that you're going to perform and then like, 
the devastation of it getting canceled. It's like, was that like a misplan on God's part? Did he just, Mm -hmm. did this just not add up or did he, you know, change his mind or something and like give me this great dream. And then all of a sudden I don't have it anymore. I mean, and and all the little second guessing conversations you have with yourself and the fact that God can, God can handle you processing those things with him, praying those things and asking those things. And like I said, Mm -hmm. it's only in hindsight that you realize, no, this, this wasn't a flaw in the plan. This wasn't an oversight in the plan. Uh, but God is still doing something. He hasn't forgotten you and he hasn't forsaken you. Even if it looks totally, completely different than what you thought it was going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. You get back to your childhood home then. Yes. After being on Broadway, after being in New York city, what starts to happen in your heart at that point? Yeah. So kind of a way, and you know, this about me, Cole, that the Lord has wired me is, um, I love to build things and I have a lot of um, vision and excitement about what God could be doing, what he can do. And it was very kind of him. Um, Well, actually, if I trace it back that fall, the fall before of 2020, no, 2019, I had gone to a conference, actually a women's conference called Blistem. Um, It was like a women in leadership and business conference. And Lord was like teaching me some things about um, the writing world and the podcast world. And there had been this thread of like Jesus and artists and Jesus Mm -hmm. and artists. And it was like, what is God going to do with that in my life? Like, I know that, you know, both of those things are big, like a calling and a purpose that he is going to bring together in some way. And, um, when I got home, you know, I thought, I think we all thought this for a little while of like, wow, so much time to read all of these books and do all these things and to yeah. bake bread and to build this thing and whatnot. Like everybody was kind of doing things that they had not done for the first yeah. time. And um, one thing I would always wanted to do, well, had thought about since that conference was, I think the Lord might, I, I might be able to start a podcast. Like, I think he could really move through something like that. Um And I love having conversations with people about him and I love stories and storytelling. So it just felt natural. Um, pretty quickly, I just started praying about starting a podcast and, um, I didn't know what that looked like. I am a classic, like visionary type person in that I'm not very good at like step by step getting things like done. I just like think that that is going to be possible and I see it and I believe a hundred percent that the Lord will do that. But then I'm like, Oh no, like I have to figure out how to edit this or had to figure out how to do this thing. Um, but I will say he was so kind in that I started praying very specifically about like, okay, God, bring me a friend to do this with, like, bring me someone um, that can teach me about this thing and he just started showing off in that way. Um, a mentor came into my life who was really kind of walking alongside me in that. Um, you were really helpful and just like giving me wisdom about like having had a podcast and some tips and tricks on that. Um, and he did like just drop a friend in my life who we had met on social media before. She loves musical theater um, and had actually produced a podcast before. And when we connected 
um, we had like a FaceTime one day and I just like felt the Holy Spirit be like, this is who you've been praying for. And on the phone, I was like, Hey, do you want to start a podcast? And, and she was like, uh, actually I, I felt like you might ask me about that today. And turns out she had like produced a podcast the year before and didn't really know why she had gained that skill set. But then the Lord was like using that to then use us together to make the podcast. So I say all that to say, um, he just started like, as I continued to take steps, um, he helped me figure out how to do that. And I just prayed through like, what do you want the name of this to be? What, like, who are the first seven guests? Like what date even? Um, and it all started to like become really clear and it was so fun. Like it just, I loved doing it because I felt like I could do it with him. Like he mm-hmm. just really, you know, that it was just so sweet. And I, I wouldn't take back that time. Um, but it was also kind because as I was grieving that he was just giving me new excitement about what was going on in the kingdom of God and how he was still on the move in all of these different like platforms and through podcasts and, and you know, all the, all the different things. Uh, so ended up launching the podcast called living in the light where I interview artists and creatives. And we talk about how Jesus brought us from the dark and into his powerful light, um, in September and continued to, um, do that through the end of season one, um, at Christmas time. So it was fun. It was really challenging and hard, but also at the same time, I, I learned a lot and yeah. Well, I've loved, I love the podcast and I love the way that you're able to capture people's stories and talk about uh, the unique ways that God has given them passion for the arts or for performance, but also mm-hmm. blending that with um, their passion for Christ. And I'm excited about season two. Do we have a start date or anything for season two? Yes. Yeah, should we be looking forward to episodes coming out soon? Yeah, we're doing the first week of February. Perfect. So, we're going to link to that in the yeah. notes for the podcast. Yes. I would strongly encourage people to go listen to it. It's a wonderful podcast. Um, and I love it's what you're cold. doing with it and the conversations you're having. You know, the other thing that it, it almost feels like the story coming full circle. It's like you would write it this way almost is, you know, <laughs> you the, one of the first things you talked about was being a being either in high school or middle school and opening up your Bible and inviting people to talk about your faith, Mm. doing that in college, Mm. getting to New York and finding community. And uh, one of the things I've just been, have been so uh, inspired by and interested in that you've been doing is taking the opportunity during COVID when people are at their houses, it's a bad time for community and figuring out a way to create that same kind of community. Yeah. What have you been doing there? Oh, wow. This has been fun. And this is what I I did not plan for this one. So like kind of planned for the podcast and that it felt a, a tad bit strategic. Um, but God just did this part. Um, it, it also came from just a desire I had that I couldn't be it couldn't be fulfilled in quarantine. So I just got creative with it. Um, I'd been discipling a girl in New York City. So I also had prayed before after Jessica's prayer came came to fruition I was like okay when I moved to New York I gotta pray um for this but I had prayed for someone to disciple me and someone to disciple and like within two weeks of being in New York City 
there was someone that had come alongside me in the church that was older than me and a girl who went to NYU in theater um, who reached out to me on Instagram and was like, hey, could I come to church with you? And it just like naturally became a discipleship relationship. And being at home and in my childhood room, I was like, okay, I just had become so excited about discipleship and doing life with people um, and felt really burdened for college girls specifically because I'd, I'd remembered like, the death to life, dark to light um, mm-hmm. transition that happened in me because of community. And so I just was imagining all these college girls like in their childhood bedrooms without community, doing virtual school and just feeling so stuck um, was seeing, you know, one of the girls I was discipling was getting into a lot of sin patterns because of um, the quarantine stuff. And I was just like, okay, oh my gosh, like, what can we do to at least like, just get some girls together to talk about the Lord, to read God's word together, to sing some worship songs, you know, anything. Um, and just started assimilating. (laughs) I feel like that's what I do. Like, I I don't really teach as much as I'm just like bringing people together to to Mm -hmm. be around God's word again. Um, but I put a zoom link on my Instagram and I was just like, Hey, if you're in college and you're free Saturday morning and you want to read the Bible with us, um, sign up on this Google form and I'll send you a Zoom link uh, to this Bible study. And it was just, I, I picked a Bible study on Right Now Media, was sharing a video, and then we were talking about it and praying together and reading God's word. And sounds, I mean, it's as simple as it sounds. That's That's what we did. And I had 150 girls sign up wow. on that first Google form. And I quickly realized that I could not personally disciple 150 girls. It's just not Mm -hmm. possible. And they're not going to be seen or understood or loved um, by one person. So I started gathering my peers. So like women that were in my young adult community in New York, and then some of my friends from college who were around my age, who I knew were leaders. And I was like, Hey, I need leaders. Uh, we need small groups. Like I just started like structurally organizing it. Um, zoom has this feature where you could get in breakout rooms. I'm sure if you've been in Mm -hmm. quarantine for a year at this point, you might have been in one breakout room (laughs) or two. Um, but yeah, we just started like, um, meeting together as leaders and prepping some discussion questions and then getting together on these zoom calls every Saturday morning, um, praying over these women, they were showing up, they were bringing friends, it was just continuing to grow. And I uh, did that, um, have done that since last March, Saturday mornings, we took like, three or four weeks off um, around Thanksgiving Christmas time and did like, some community events where we like, mm-hmm. had coffee dates together and watched movies together and played games together. And it was it was really fun. But it kind of evolved. It started as I just like threw a name on it so that it had some kind of like name to the community, but it was college girls for Christ. Um, And then there were like some girls that wanted to be a part of it who were out of college, weren't in college and younger than college. And it was getting kind of complicated. I didn't want to tell anybody that they couldn't come study the Bible with us. So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, college needs to get out of the branding. We need just like, it became Laura Lee's Bible study community because I didn't know what else to call it um, in this like transition and just kind of being like, Lord, what do you want next for this? Like clearly people are still showing up and they're hungry um, to read God's word. So let's just keep doing it. 
Um, and now I, it has, um, a name and it's like officially a ministry in the state of New York, which is kind of like crazy. I didn't ever imagine that that was going to happen. Um, but it's called rise collective women is the name. And, um, we're pretty soon going to be launching, uh, on a platform called Mighty Networks, which is just like an app that's a gathering place for communities to come and to be able to, there's this cool feature where you can see uh, where people are located. So if you're in the community and you're in Chicago and there's like two other people in Chicago, um, you can connect with them, but it's still basically the same structure. Like we have small groups, there are leaders um, when you're in the community you, uh, we have these group gatherings on Saturdays where we're showing up on zoom and doing Bible studies. Um, but yeah, you get a right now media membership. So it's, it's going to be really fun. So that hasn't launched yet on the mighty network. We're still, um, just doing this group me zoom thing, but it will launch in March. So gosh, that's exciting. And, and how cool to see where that's gone you know, yeah, from a desire in a short to, time. Yeah. I mean, over the course of less than a year from a desire to just yeah. pour into people and see them have the similar yeah. experience that you had, but in, you know, a totally new context uh, of quarantining and being in a pandemic. Uh, it's just amazing what God does when you start to create those spaces. And I think one of the things too, I'm just so just reminded of the fact that people are really hungry to be with other believers and to mm-hmm. um, get to share their lives and get to study the Bible together and to be taught. And I think this year, more than any year, uh, just the power of what God is doing behind the scenes and how many people he's drawing to himself and how many people out there that if they were just invited or if they were just asked, uh, they would they would take you up on something like that. So yeah. Um, just ask. Where does That's where does it go good. from here? That's good. Well, I'm pretty soon starting season two of the podcast, and um, yeah, launching this ministry, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I'm moving back to New York. So I've been in Arkansas. Uh, my family moved to a farm this past year. Well, there's no animals, but we live on 200 acres of land in Arkansas, and I am very excited um, to get back to the city. It's been, my mom has called it my sabbatical. That's what she said last week. She was like, <laughs> your sabbatical is coming to an end. I was like, oh gosh, mom. Um, but yeah, I'm moving back to New York City. So I'm excited to just reconnect with community there and um, yeah, got to go move out of my dressing room. Um, mean Girls is not coming back, which is really sad. Uh, kind of was hoping that we would get to perform again after all this, but it's just, there are so many challenges being presented with um, the Broadway community right now. So uh, pounding the pavement again. Mm-hmm. Well, I I just can't wait to see what God does. I mean, you could never have predicted any of this and that's how all of our lives are with the way that God answers our prayers and the way that God gives us passions and then brings them to fruition. And um, it's going to be exciting to see what, what happens with this ministry, what happens mm-hmm. with you as you head back to New York city. And uh, so I just want to say thank you for sharing your story and for coming mm-hmm. on the podcast. And we're going to link to everything we can for people to follow what you're doing and to be yeah. a part of it. But uh, Laura Lee, thanks so much for coming on the So We Speak podcast. 
Thank you so much, Cole. It's such an honor. And honestly, it blessed me just to be able to remember um, all God has done in this past year. It's it's easy for us to get discouraged. Um, it's so easy to forget. I hate how easy it is to forget, but um, I'm thankful for remembrance today. So y'all have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast. Thank you.